Apartments.com believes having a gym in your building does way more than just get you in shape. It turns your entire life around and is a great place to scope out the hot guy that lives in your building. And by guy, I mean guys. Having a gym in your building makes it 10 times more likely that you actually end up, show up, and work out. I mean, it's five floors down or whatever it is. And you'll be saving money on a gym membership that you'll go to probably half as much. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live is easy. Apartments.com hosts more rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. Or a treadmill, for that matter. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hey, party people. Welcome to Sophia with an F. Guys, I'm recording solo this week. It's just you. It's just me. It's just this microphone. We're getting a little intimate and I like it. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. I've been living in New York for like how fucking long? Like three weeks or so now. My apartment is absolutely not furnished, but I am not recording from my closet. So that is actually a huge fucking upgrade. The couch is here, but that's about it. I don't have chairs. I don't have bar stools. I don't have a table of any kind. I basically eat every meal at my counter standing. I actually like don't even have lights, really. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if it's a New York thing, but the apartments don't have built-in lighting, Like when I moved in here, I received a pamphlet that gave me the option to have more lighting installed. Like the only thing that has lighting is my kitchen. My room doesn't. The living room doesn't. I don't know. It's a little bit bizarre to me. I don't really get it. But uh, I guess I'll be investing in some lamps also. I feel like I'm like one of those people from the 1800s who would carry a lantern around with the little candle in it so they could see where the fuck they're going. But starting a home from scratch, the amount of shit that you do not realize you need until it's not there. Like, mm, yeah, probably I need to get a Swiffer and measuring cups Oh, and aluminum foil. Oh, and a baking tray. Oh, and fucking salt. Like, it's a never-ending story. But speaking of my apartment and my real fucking update for you guys, basically, I am already about to be kicked out of my building. And this isn't me being dramatic. I got in actual real trouble, you guys. And I haven't even been living here for a month. It hasn't even been a month. Okay, this story is so wild. I can't believe it's like even coming out of my mouth right now. So this past weekend, I had some friends over 
for just like a little pregame. I'm 29 years old. Like, should I really be saying pregame still? Whatever. I don't give a fuck. So one of my friends asked if they could invite a couple people to come up. And I said, sure, why not? Because fucking why not? And I'm a gracious ass host. So a few people come up who I don't really know. And one of the guys, he looks a little distraught. Okay. And apparently what happened is they wouldn't let him park his Mercedes in front of the building or some shit. I honestly don't even remember the details. I wasn't paying that much attention at all. I was like fucking raging with my friends. So we leave, we rage, and I come back home. It's like three in the morning. And all of a sudden, my doorman is yelling at me. And at first, I just kept walking because I was like, no way in hell is he talking to me. I didn't do anything wrong. What, Like, what the fuck? But he doesn't stop. So I go over to the desk and he very sternly tells me that I am never allowed to have those people over again and that he reported me to management. (laughs) Okay, so I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And I start arguing with him and I'm like, sir, you've got the wrong person. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Mind you, I'm pretty inebriated at this point. So I was probably being more aggressive than usual, but I literally did not understand what the hell was going on. So the doorman proceeds to explain to me that one of the people I had up the guy who couldn't park his car, remember him, apparently threatened to, and I quote, slice his face, okay? He threatened to slice my doorman's face, okay? Because of parking. And I don't know if he pulled a knife out. I don't know how bad it was. Well, actually, I do know how bad it was because my doorman starts telling me shit like I'll fucking kill him. I'm Albanian, which, by the way, I don't doubt that because Albanians are not to be messed with. They have fucking a 36 letter alphabet. But anyways, I kind of I just I thought I was like in a fever dream and emotions were just high. And maybe, you know, he understood that like it wasn't my fault and that it wasn't someone I personally knew or invited or whatever. No, I woke up Monday morning to an email from management telling me that the incident had been reported, logged into my file, and that he would like to get on a call to talk about the incident further. Okay? So that is just a really fun way to start, you know, my year lease here. Um, Really, really great. My doorman love affair uh, that I was hoping for. Very fucking short lived. What else fucking went down? I feel like there's just been so much shit. Um, The bike incident. 
Oh, let's talk about that one quickly. I documented this on my Instagram story. I'm just going to give you guys a quick rundown of what exactly happened because it actually pains me to relive it. It was honestly top five most embarrassing moments of my entire life. But let me start from the beginning. I am with my friends, Allie and John. You probably know them. They've been on the show before, my really good friends. And John thinks it will be a really fun idea to get on bikes in New York City and bike around. I was a little hesitant. I'm not really about physical activity and I'm not really about getting on a fucking bike in New York. You, I, I'm assuming you guys can imagine how dangerous that could potentially be. But whatever. I decided to just go with the flow. We get on our bikes. We're just cruising along. You know, we go through the Lower East Side. We head on over to West Village. Super fucking cute. And we turn down this street. And there's just a shit ton of people. I think this was like a fucking Saturday or Sunday during the day. Everyone is outside brunching. It was nice weather. There are 60 people all sitting outside eating on this street. And we are just biking down. And this table of girls start screaming, Sophia Franklin, oh my God. And Allie, who was right in front of me on her bike, decides to turn around and wave. Cute. When I turn my head back to keep biking forward, I see Allie's bike is spinning out of control. Okay. And she's like losing her balance. At which point I hit the back of her bike and fucking front flip onto the street in front of all of these fucking people and I (laughs) guys I'm not doing it justice it was so embarrassing it was just like I heard like I heard the crowd of people go (gasps) like I heard an audible gasp by tens and tens of people and I just I couldn't even like face them. Like I couldn't even face the table of girls. Like I pretended to laugh it off. My fucking leggings were ripped. I was bleeding. I just stood right back up on my bike. I fucking booked it down the street. I was so embarrassed. I felt bad because I was like, oh my God, these girls like at this table who were just trying to be nice and say hello now probably feel bad. It was just a whole fucking situation. It was really fucking embarrassing and it, it took me a while to recover. I just kept replaying that scene in my brain over and over and over for five hours until finally my friends were like, dude, you need to shut the fuck up. It wasn't that big of a deal. But falling off your bike in front of a bunch of people in New York City. It's it's embarrassing. Okay. And and don't try and tell me otherwise. It was just, it, it wasn't my best moment. Um, and I will not be getting on a bicycle in this city for the foreseeable future. So no guests in my apartment and no bicycles in New York. 
Okay, that that's the moral of the story. But um, I will keep you guys updated on my living situation. And I think with that, it's time to get into the fucking episode, shall we? Can we talk about the fucking Oscars? I mean, not really the Oscars because I couldn't tell you one movie that was nominated or even who the fuck was there. I didn't watch it. But the slap heard around the world. <laughs> like, I cannot get over the Will Smith shit. I don't keep up with celebrity news, but that shit was honestly wild. And you guys obviously know what happened. You have to know. Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith looking like G.I. Jane or some shit, basically making fun of her shaved head. And Will Smith walks up onto the stage, Kanye style, bitch slaps Chris Rock, goes and sits back down, and then at the top of his lungs was like, Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. All right. It was honestly one of the craziest moments on television. And Will Smith looks fucking pissed. And my friend John texted me right when this happened. And I was like, John, it's the Oscars. That shit was obviously planned. Yeah, no, that shit was real. And I have really mixed feelings about it because... I do think the joke was totally insensitive considering that Jada suffers from alopecia, which she openly talks about, which she rocks the fuck out of, by the way, her and Amber Rose and their shaved heads. I I don't understand how they pull it off. I would look like a fucking thumb. I would look so, oh my God, I'm thinking about it right now. I would look like the fucking volleyball from Castaway. What was his name? Wilson? Wilson or some shit. But, you know, as someone who has made jokes that people have found really offensive before, I just, I don't know if the punishment fit the crime. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm not even going to lie, I was aroused. Sorry, Sorry, I know I shouldn't be saying that, but it, w- it was kind of hot. Having your man defend your honor in front of millions of people by slapping the fuck out of someone, it's hot. And don't lie and say it's not. Okay, because fuck a lot of you fucking bitches think it's hot when you get a text back and he treats you to a Chipotle bowl once every blue moon. Obviously, it helps that it was Will fucking Smith. And it's not your embarrassingly drunk boyfriend at the bar who's trying to fight everyone who blinks at him. So don't give, you know, your boyfriend any ideas in that way. He's not the fucking fresh prince of whatever city you guys live in. That's not it. The fact that it was Will Smith obviously made it hot. But what made it even hotter is he won a fucking Oscar right after. Like, okay, I am legend. I see you. But everyone's freaking out saying it wasn't cool. And yeah, I agree. It probably wasn't. But sometimes there are just people that get a little too comfortable and a little too entitled and they need to get their shit rocked. 
I mean, just off the top of my head, I know a couple people right now who deserve to get bitch slapped. And also on that note, I don't think it's cool in general for a man to make a joke about a woman's appearance, especially at the fucking Oscars where everyone spent hours getting ready, weeks planning looks, and he chose to single out a woman and make her feel like shit. That's not cool. Although I do think it's less Chris Rock's fault and more of the script writer's fault, to be honest. Like, who approved the jokes for that night? Those are all pre-written, and whoever approved that shit, they deserve to get their ass handed to them. Like, did they not do their research? (sighs) God bless to that person. Also, can we talk about the vibe in that room after that shit went down? Like what I need to know, what were Zendaya and Beyonce's immediate thoughts? I need to know now, right fucking now. Actually, there was a photo of Beyonce and Jay-Z taken, like just as the shit happened. And Beyonce is she's literally smiling, like relishing in the drama. And then Jay-Z Looks like he's fucking having a PTSD flashback to the time Solange beat his ass in the elevator for cheating on her sister. He looked like he looked like the blood drained out of his face, which Solange doing that, by the way, iconic behavior. Oh, my God. It's like crazy world we live in. I wonder how pissed Chris Rock is. I mean, if my friend slapped me in front of some of the baddest bitches in the world and the entire world in general, damn. Like, you are not about to fucking embarrass me in front of Zoe Kravitz. Like, I would freak the fuck out. Oh, and apparently people are now rallying for Will's Oscar to be revoked because of this display of violence or whatever, but... Mm, I'm pretty sure that Harvey Vagineinstein has multiple Oscars underneath his belt. So the Academy can fucking relax on that one. That That's what I think. And any guy getting checked for talking about women is a win in my book. OK, Will, if you and Jada are doing any more open relationship type stuff, Excuse me. I want to be more respectful. I'm going to talk to Jada directly. Jada, if you and Will are still into that open relationship type thing, I am available. Please hit me up. Moral of the story, guys, is if your man isn't willing to knock someone into the next century for you, he's a pussy and you should find someone who will. And if you can't find that guy, I will gladly do the slapping for you. But violence is never okay. Unless someone is shit talking your woman, okay? Then maybe you deserve a bitch slap, all right? Can you feel it, Sloots? The days are getting warmer and spring has officially sprung, which means spring break is here. Which for the older folk, that basically means people are going outside, they're staying outside, and they are staying out way longer. But the thing is, 
Who wants to deal with those post-party struggles? I know I don't. I mean, I quite literally and physically can't at this stage in my life. And that's where my spring break essential comes in, which is Taste Salute. Say goodbye to the Sunday scaries with Taste Salute's hydrating drink mixes. Listen, I started my spring break a little bit early last weekend when my best friend Allie came to town and we had a night or two on the town and how I felt honestly come Monday morning was better than any spring break party you can imagine. And that is a rare occurrence for me and has only started happening since I've started drinking Taste Salute religiously. Because unlike those big name brands we all know, Salud knocks it out of the park with their one-of-a-kind flavors. I'm drinking one right now. And no, it's not because I plan on drinking any kind of alcohol, but just because I'm trying to get hydrated and energized. I'm obviously drinking the horchata flavor, but you get to enjoy flavors like cucumber lime, hibiscus, and they even have mocktails now. Say hello to Paloma and strawberry margarita. Filled with electrolytes and vitamins that support hydration and boost immunity with less sugar. I'm talking only one gram of sugar per stick. This is exactly what you need to get your Sunday fun day going, regardless of what the rest of the day entails. And here's the best part. They're sharing the love with all of my listeners. Enjoy 10% off your first purchase with the code SOFIA10 at checkout. That's S-O-F-I-A and the number 10 at TaySalude.com. Cheers to health this spring break season with Taste Salute. Now, let's fucking move on. It's time for class, angels. Salute University, let's fucking go. I feel like it's been a minute since I've had you guys to myself, so I'm very excited for this little one-on-one sesh that we are about to have. And I don't know about you guys, but I just need a little wellness in my life right now. Like, for real, for real. Is it just me, or is anyone else feeling off balance lately? I I get this way, I swear to God, every time March rolls around. March is the worst month ever. Um, the holidays are over. Ski resorts are basically closed. So why is it still freezing outside? You're trying to tell me it's spring right now. It was 30 degrees today. The fuck out of here. Also, I'm sure I'm feeling a little discombobulated because I just made a move across the country and I'm living alone for the first time in my life. But basically, every time I start to feel like this, which it happens every so often, I get frantic and I go into fixing mode. And I'm like, Sophia, your life is a mess. It's time to get it together 
and revamp your entire life. And I basically start lying to myself. And what I mean by lying to myself is I attempt to read every book that I've given up on. I buy a bunch of fucking workout clothes because I convince myself I'm really doing it this time. Summer bod 2022. And then I'll spend $300 at Sephora on fucking brightening serums and face masks and anything goop and basically a bunch of shit I will never use because it's self-love, you guys. And the thing is, I do this and I continually do it and it never makes me feel better. Maybe for like a split second, it will, but I still wake up the next day feeling like I need to do more. Like my life is still in shambles. And I want to talk about this because what in the actual fuck is this self-love, self-help bullshit that we are being fed? You cannot go on social media without being bombarded by this stuff. I am so over the it girl or how to be a hot girl TikToks. You guys have fucking seen them. It's oh, it's like a reel of some it girl in quotation marks making her bed with a voiceover that's like, so this is what I do to be super productive and be that it girl. I start every morning by making my bed. Then I have an organic green juice. Then a 30-minute workout followed by my skincare regimen. Then I journal for 20 minutes. <laughs> Oh my God, the journaling. I can't, I, I just can't. If you fucking journal and you're listening to this, congratulations, tell your journal about it. I don't wanna hear it. I'm sure your journal does. Write it in your fucking journal. And listen, 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 listen before people freak out. It's not that what they're saying is wrong. I'm sure the green juice and exercise and the journaling, I'm sure all of those things are great for you. The problem is when you are constantly being exposed to videos or quotes or whatever it is telling you how you can be happier, healthier, more productive and better, it actually ends up being really fucking toxic. And just let that sink in. Because what it's doing, whether you're conscious of it or not, it's signaling to you that there is something wrong with you. This whole self-help, self-improvement trend that is so hot right now and all of these influencers are like cashing in and selling you shit under the guise that if you buy this specific product, it's going to make you a better person. It's all bullshit. Buying a planner is not going to make you a better person, okay? Buying a really good vibrator and an eighth of weed might. I mean, you can start there. Even the word self-help, Think about it. Do you know how backhanded and demeaning that word is? A, 
why are you trying to make me feel like there's something wrong with me from the get-go? B, no one wants to be helped or be perceived like they need help. I keep thinking of those like life alert commercials. Help, I've fallen and can't get up. But it's, it's like, it really gives me that vibe. In all seriousness, this is a friendly reminder from me to you sleuths to let you know that you are not broken and you do not need to be fixed. I'm over the self-help. I'm focusing on self-acceptance instead. That's what I'm fucking doing. That's the real lesson here. Even the, even the word self-improvement, okay, drives me crazy. It's the same shit, just a little bit tweaked to fucking try to be more sinister and more conniving to get you to buy shit and to get you to think you're doing something positive when really it's just making you feel like shit. The word self-improvement implies you can do better, you can be better, and let me just say that the amount of self-improvement thoughts that I have in a day or in an hour. I was thinking about this today, actually. I was getting my nails done, you guys. And instead of leaning into the whole self-love thing, like, you go, girl, look at you pampering yourself. You deserve some cute-ass fucking nails. I spent the entire time thinking, oh my God, Sophia, You waste so much time. You waste so much money getting your nails done. You need to start doing them yourself. You better go home and buy a at-home nail care kit. And why didn't you bring those little fingerless gloves so your hands don't get wrinkles early from the fucking UV ray from getting a gel manicure? That is the shit I was thinking about. Like, bitch, you wanted to get your nails done. Why are we feeling bad about this? Why do I and we keep thinking that all of these lifestyle and personality switches are going to be some magic potion that raises us to a higher consciousness? Because newsflash, it's not. Buying a planner and drinking green juice is not going to help you reach nirvana. Okay? When I get into these like self-improvement routines, sure, I have moments, like I said, where I feel better because I think I'm doing the right thing. And sure, I might be to some degree, but I'm really just missing the present moment because I'm chasing this everlasting, fleeting feeling that there's something more and there's a level that I should be at. And we will never, ever, ever be happy this way because that level or that line that we think we're supposed to reach, it's always moving. It's always gonna be out of reach and out of your grasp. And I mean, again, I'm just telling you right now, you're never gonna reach a moment where you feel that there is no room for improvement and you are perfect and your life is perfect. And if you do feel that way, it doesn't last because life just isn't that way. And something bad is eventually going to happen. (laughs) 
Could I sound more fucking depressed, you guys, and cynical? I just, I'm looking out for everybody. I just want you to be aware of how you live your day-to-day life. Do you constantly feel like you're not doing enough? Same, girl, same. It's time for self-acceptance. That is what it's time for. We can't get caught up in this realizing our potential when we are great just the way we fucking are. And embracing that is the first step before any self-improvement shit. We shouldn't be obsessing over what we could be. Instead, we should be focusing on and accepting what is, you know? And something I realized, and I'm going to sound a little wacky and a little witchcrafty for a second, don't fucking care. Just recently, I have noticed that once you spend more time focusing on self-acceptance, you start living from a place of peace and not one of guilt or shame or fear or whatever else. And then what happens is as you start feeling better about yourself in your current situation, you become much more confident. You naturally start attracting way more positive things into your life and it allows you to embark, I guess is the term for it, on whatever improvements you want from a healthy place and it makes those improvements actually sustainable because obviously we all should be evolving and bettering ourselves. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but this self-improvement, self-help thing has become out of control and so fucking intimidating and daunting that it has the opposite effect of what it's supposed to do. And maybe I am just a cynical ass bitch but I'm just being real. Let me say this one thing though. (laughs) If there are dangerous habits involved in your present state, we do need to get that in line, but that's not the level like we're focusing on here. It's the compulsive obsession we have to elevate to some it girl perfect version of ourselves that's just not fucking real. We get so obsessed with improving that we have no attention span to spend on really living and loving ourselves. So that's my fucking TED talk today. Fuck self-help. Fuck the books. Fuck that girl you follow on TikTok with her hiked up Gymshark shorts and the fucking overpriced booty bands she's trying to sell you and her iced oat milk coffee in the mason jar with a glass straw. Fuck it all. I'm, I'm done. You are good enough just as you are. And once you own your ugly and accept you in your current state, that's when life really starts. That's where the magic starts to happen. I honestly feel like fucking, what is his name? And he just got me too'd. Motherfuck. You guys know who I'm talking about. Fucking Tony Robbins. That's how I feel right now. I feel like I fucking sound like him. Hey, maybe that, maybe that's my future is motivational speaking. Who knows? I feel like that would not be my future. I think uh, 
I would get in a lot of trouble and give very bad advice in a lot of circumstances. But this is actually one time where I feel like what I'm saying is is the real deal and it's not toxic and it's healthy and it's truth. That's what it is. And you guys have enough life experience and intelligence to live and improve your life however you see fit because it's your fucking life. Self-improvement is great if you do it your way on your time after you've accepted who you are already with flaws and all. And the self-improvement is not a means to an end in terms of happiness. Don't lose sense of yourself and what's real. Don't escape reality chasing this made-up complex. It's all about balance, sleuths. And right here, right now, instead of fucking feeling like shit because you haven't been working out enough or you ate something you weren't supposed to or you haven't been studying enough or yada, 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 accept yourself. Think about how much you've accomplished. Think about how much good you've done and how good of a person you are and just accept yourself. It's all about balance, sleuths, okay? And that is my sleut university. And I want everyone to like really take that to heart and take that home. Self-acceptance over self-help all day, every day. Excited about this one, guys. I'm getting in my grown woman bag. I'm entering my wifey era at full speed and no one can stop me because I've been investing in myself and in my kitchen. I used to buy the absolute cheapest cookware I could possibly find and mm-mm, mm-mm, not the move. The move is high quality, thoughtfully designed, non-toxic, and incredibly cute cookware from, drumroll please, Great Jones. You are welcome. Great Jones cookware is so stunning. You will actually want to cook. It's like getting a new super cute slash hot workout set. You'll be at the gym later that day. No question. My Dutch baby from Great Jones, aka the cutest baby pink Dutch oven in the color taffy, I keep that shit on display. That is when I'm not using it. From Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to nonstick pans, Great Jones has it all. I got my first skillet, you guys. Like, fuck an engagement ring. I can't wait to actually make all the recipes I have saved but never touched because I was ill-equipped. But now... I'll let y'all know when Sleuth's giving dinner is because I am prepared. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old, rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com 
and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code SOFIA. That's greatjones.com, promo code SOFIA. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she is returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and the brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, Slooty Pebbles, it's time for questions, stories, advice, SOS, save our sleuths, my favorite fucking part of the episode. So let's just jump right in. This shit is really good this week. Okay, question number one. Hi, Sophia. I love you so much in the show. But on a serious note, what do you think makes a guy love it so much when you choke on his dick? My ex always said it was super hot when I would give him a BJ and gag and choke on it. To me, I don't really understand because on my end, I'm just trying not to throw up on his dick while still trying to give good head. Please help me understand. Love you. Okay, Socrates, coming in with the hard-hitting, smart questions. This is actually like a very intelligent question, honestly, because you would think naturally that if someone was about to vomit on your genitals, it wouldn't be the most appealing thing in the entire world and it wouldn't be the cutest thing. But the thing is, guys aren't looking for cute when it comes to sex. Okay, they're just not. Think about the porn that we consume, people, especially men. Super rough and borderline concerning at times. So I think guys like the choking, crying thing because it's just a typical porn star performance. And with that being said, I don't know if it's natural or if we've just been conditioned by porn, but... The rougher, dirtier, sloppier, the better it is for a lot of people. I mean, if you're comfortable with that, of course. But like, I mean, I'm singling out men right now. And that's not really fair because it's the same for a lot of women. I mean, the nastier a guy is with me, the more I like it just because it shows he's ready to go to the ends of the earth to make me come. Maybe that's why a guy likes when you're choking on it. Like, oh, this girl will fucking die on my dick to make sure I can have an orgasm. I get that. 
And also I like when they're nasty because it just shows nothing is off limits. There are no limitations, which makes me feel like I can let loose and be nasty too. Because we spend, we do spend a lot of fucking time trying to keep the cute thing going during sex because we're just programmed to be cute all the time. And I'm not going to come focusing on that. And sex isn't supposed to be cute. I mean, I've told guys to choke me, slap me during sex, and they've had similar thoughts to you, actually, where they like questioned it and they were like, I don't want to hurt you. I'm trying to make you feel good, but I think it's so hot. And then they usually do too once they get past their fear of hurting me or whatever. So overall, Slew, I just think it's just another kink that has been super normalized. Happy choking. Okay, next. New York Sophia is back and I am here for it. Me too, girl. I saw that you posted you were at zero bond the other night. So I did some research and found it so interesting as it is a members only club. I'm currently in my last semester here in the city and I'm growing tired of the Lower East Side bar scene. Could you talk more about where to go out post-grad and how to get in or how to find cooler places in general? Ooh, girl, you do your research and I like ye. So yeah, zero bond. Um, Members only opened up kind of recently-ish. It's basically like, like an upgraded Soho house. I mean, that's what I've been told. I've only been there like a couple times. And um, I mean, there's a lot of members only clubs in New York. It's like whatever the most recent one that opened is usually the most whatever exclusive wanted to be seen at, go to, whatever. The reason they're so exclusive, quote unquote, is because getting accepted is the hard part. Like the waiting list for some of these places are years long. They don't let just like anyone join, blah, 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 blah. It's it's all very, very pretentious, which is part of the reason I'm absolutely going to try to get a membership, but also the reason why I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? But I do, I get, I get the concept for people who want a place to work or grab a drink and not have to worry about, you know, finding a fucking table at a coffee shop or making a reservation for dinner. I totally get that. Plus, it was nice as fuck. They had artists there. Omakase is kind of an older crowd. But to your question, I am not a member. I just know people with memberships there. So as far as how to get into these places and any place really, members only or not, honestly, get on some dating apps and have like some sugar daddy type guy take you and then ditch him once you're there and make connections once you get your foot in the door. That's what I would do. Make friends with the waiters, the bartender, even the fucking doorman security guy. If you're trying to get into a place and you're like alone by yourself and you don't have the hookup, 
slip them like a hundred dollar bill and I bet you they will fucking let you in. Not for a members only club, obviously, but like any other place. Hell yeah. Um, Cool places to go. I'll tell you some just like off the top of my head. Keep in mind, this is all personal preference and sometimes the exclusive hard to get into spots are not as cool as some like hole in the wall funky place in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? But some trendy spots I've enjoyed would be Socialista, Casa Cipriani, uh, Restoration Hardware Rooftop is really cute, Food, eh. Um, Little Sister, Acme is a classic, Lucienne. I think those are some of the cool go-to spots, quote unquote. But again, I've been to some dinky bars and some random spots in fucking Chinatown and wherever else and had the best time with the right people, you know? Look, you've had a long day. Your boss is annoying you. Your boyfriend is accusing you of something you didn't even do. And your sibling is asking you for money. That's like an everyday thing for me. While I don't have all the answers, I do know that we have the power to change any situation we're in, in a flash, in a snap. We can turn it into a celebration and a little glass of wine is just the thing to turn your day around sometimes. But of course, you just realized you ran out of everything. Luckily for you, Our friends over at DoorDash have you covered. If you're in the mood to treat yourself or just want to make sure you are always hostess with the mostest ready, DoorDash is your go-to without you having to move from your couch. And it's convenient. Do you know how heavy a handle of tequila is? How about five of them? Exactly. Plus, the alcohol selection at DoorDash is top-notch. You will find what you're looking for. Beer, wine, mixers, and even mocktails for the non-alcoholic girlies can be delivered straight to your door. So get your drinks in hand without lifting a finger with DoorDash. And use code SOFIA24 to get 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more on drinks through DoorDash. For eligible users only, terms apply, must be 21 plus to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, wider looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. 
No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes. Plus, it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb, so whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. Next question. From Once Upon a Ho. Sophia, I love you and I love the pod and I love your butt. Okay, girl, thank you. So here's the issue. I once was a hoe that enjoyed drunk sex with strangers. Getting drunk on tequila and pounded by a guy with bad credit and skinny jeans was my favorite way to unwind. I had to quit drinking because it started causing issues in my personal and work life. Now I don't know how to have or enjoy sober sex. I feel awkward and can't get out of my head. It's no longer fun or enjoyable to the point I just stopped having sex. How can I enjoy casual sex again as a sober slute? Okay, so let me just start this by saying sober sex is the best sex in my opinion. Like drunk sex is fun for sure, but I have a hard time coming sometimes and I think the best O's and the most discovery and the most kinky stuff happens when you're sober. Just because like probably because you have all your brain cells and I can totally relate to this question because I did go through a period of time, I think it was a few months that I went completely sober and I was worried about this exact same thing because I also got used to the whole, hey, let's get drinks, then fuck routine. But I didn't have sex for a while. And then after about a month, I went on a date with a guy who was sober And on our second day, I believe it was, we hooked up and I just let go. I just let myself go. He was obviously into me. I was into him and that was enough. He went down on me for a long time and it was amazing. And I think that what you need to realize is like, you're still the same girl sober as you are drunk. It's not like when you're drunk, you look different, act different. I mean, maybe your inhibitions are down, sure. But that same girl is still there, okay? Like that same girl is still you when you're sober. It's just a mindset and you need to remind yourself of that. And I think what this really, really boils down to is you being confident in your sober skin because the confidence you have when you're drunk is really just this fake confidence. And, you know, if you want to wait a second to jump into bed with someone during your new sobriety, 
absolutely do that. And I just, I promise you over time, the awkwardness you feel will 100% go away. Especially if you find the right guy that makes you comfortable. That's the other thing. You will enjoy casual sober sex. And that is a promise. And you can hold me to that. And it's going to end up being better sex. Watch. Maybe wait or maybe practice more. You know what I'm saying? Also, maybe start having less casual hookups and maybe get like a fuck buddy so you can kind of get used to it that way. Or, I mean, you said you stopped drinking. I don't know if you can like smoke marijuana or like do something else that relaxes you, but you don't, you really don't need that. You can be completely sober and have the best sex ever. I promise you. It's just you're going through a little transition period. Okay, next question. Hi, Sophia. I am a non-Mormon from Salt Lake City too, and I just wanted to share the craziest place I have ever fucked. On top of an LDS church roof, and he nutted on this steeple. I love the pod so much, and I'm curious to know where is the craziest place you have ever had sex? Oof, girlfriend, you better go repent. I'm just kidding, girl. No judgment here. I would love to hear the story of how this went down. Did you guys like bring a fucking ladder with you? Were you guys drunk? Was it planned? Like wh- what? Like also that shit does not sound comfortable at all. It does seem fun as fuck though. I, I've never fucked on a roof. It seems fun as fuck. Also the fact that he nutted on the steeple seems like he was specifically aiming for it. So that is fucking hilarious craziest place I've had sex. I mean, I've had sex in all the normal places and some abnormal places, but the craziest, most risky place I've done it is, I don't know, in bed while my friend is sleeping next to me, but that's a given. That's happened a million times. Um, Let me think. Maybe it was the Macy's dressing room and he came on a shirt that we didn't even buy, which was really fucked up. Actually, no, 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 guys. No, this is like just coming to me. Craziest place was backstage at a music festival in a rapper's trailer. And it wasn't the rapper I was fucking. And there was an entire party of 30 plus people going on in this trailer during my sexual escapade. So I guess it wasn't that risky because everyone knew what we were going to do, but it was still chaotic knowing there was a mob of people right on the other side of this paper thin door, just knowing we were going to pound town and probably listening. It could open the door at any moment. I actually haven't shared this story, so I'm glad we got to share this moment together, Slew. I fucking completely forgot about that. Okay, guys, that is it for this week. I love you. I miss you. I will talk to you next week. As always, please, if you enjoy the show, share it with your friend. Share a clip. 
share an episode, whatever it is. It helps me so fucking much. Subscribe, rate, review, and follow me on all of my socials. Sophia with an F, Franklin with a Y. I'm becoming a TikTok phenomenon ever since my I Have Options TikTok went viral. So check me out there as well. I love you guys. Let's talk next week.